I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 571 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You're not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have got an awesome guest for you guys to close out what has been just an incredible year here on First Class Fatherhood. Carter Oosterhaus joins me on the podcast. Carter is a judge on the Great Christmas Light Fight, which just wrapped up its latest season, pitting families against one another as they create professional-level Christmas displays competing for $50,000. And the way these families decorate their houses with Christmas lights is absolutely phenomenal. It gets bigger and better every year. Always a fun holiday show to check out. Carter is well-known for being a carpenter on the hit TLC series Trading Spaces. He was the host of HGTV shows such as Carter Ken, Red Hot and Green, and Million Dollar Rooms. He's been featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show, CNN, Rachel Ray, Entertainment Tonight, Extra, and others. He is a big family man and a first-class father all the way. I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. Carter Oosterhouse will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Carter Oosterhouse was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you listeners out there for supporting me throughout this year in 2021. I've received so many emails and DMs from you guys. I've tried to do my best to respond to each and every one of them. It's been just an incredible year here on the podcast. Some of my most downloaded episodes include my interviews with Tony Hawk, who stopped by for his second interview this year on the podcast, Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey, fellow Hollywood actor Danny Trejo, Donnie Osmond, the music legend, stopped by, Deepak Chopra, Howie Mandel, Eric Trump, Adam Carolla, Jason Alexander, Mike Piazza, Megatron, Calvin Johnson Jr., and the list really goes on and on. I hit you guys with 137 episodes here in 2021. I have really been blessed to be joined by so many amazing dads on the podcast here to help me spread the message, the positive message about fatherhood and family life. It's been incredible, the response that I've had from the guests themselves and from you, the listeners, uh, just humbled by this experience of what started as just a little acorn and has grown into a mighty oak. And 2022 is really going to blow the roof off this thing as it's going to be one of the biggest years yet for the podcast as my book is scheduled to release in April through HarperCollins. The book is based on a lot of the advice and wisdom you've heard right here on the podcast. I cannot wait for the book to launch. You're going to be hearing much more about that as we hit the new year. And I've already locked in some awesome guests to kick off the 2022 podcast season. So make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. If you are enjoying this podcast, please hit me with a rating review. Always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Carter Oosterhouse. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Carter Oosterhouse. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Uh, Thanks for having me. Good to be here. How are you? I'm doing very well. Let's start just like this. How many kids do you have? How old? I have one. She is four, and she's about to be five here. She's a a Christmas baby, so it makes things a little tricky. You know, I'm constantly asking other people, like, wait, you're a Christmas baby? Or you're, you know, she's the day after, but still, it's pretty close. 
how do you deal with that? What are the, you know, what are the days that you actually have the the birthday? And, and so we're trying to figure all of that out, but she's the best, she, uh, you know, little four-year-old going on, you know, 14 right now. Yeah. Challenging too to schedule birthday parties. I have four kids. My one son's birthday just <clears throat> passed and my wife's birthday is coming up right before Christmas. So it's uh you know, it's a little bit of a challenging time to arrange and schedule everything, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, o- right. always awesome and fun. So uh, if you could, Carter, here, please just take a minute to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah. So basically for me, I started uh, building. Uh, I'm a builder by trade. And then luckily when I moved out to Los Angeles, it was kind of quick. But and when I say quick, I was working uh, any job that I could. and uh, But I was also building. And somebody had mentioned after a couple of years of being in, in town that, hey, you know, there's this show and it's called Trading Spaces. And I got on that show and that was about 18 years ago. I started as a carpenter on that show and then uh you know started working my way through a bunch of home remodeling shows with hg tlc and everybody else and you know right now i'm working on the great christmas light fight hosting so i'm hosting more shows that's on abc we're in our 10th season of that show and uh you know for me personally i want to go back to building uh and we hope to be doing that in uh the next year uh so we got a couple shows lined up very cool. Yeah, you've had a, a wildly successful <clears throat> career here. So take me back. You said almost five years then. About how old were you when you became a dad and how did that experience change your perspective on life? So look, you know, my wife and I, we we got married about 10 years ago and the whole focus was to, you know, start a family. She's an actress as well and she wanted to, you know, really start the family. I want to say, I, I imagine I'd have six kids by now, to tell you the truth. And uh, uh, it was not, you know, working out the way that we, you know, had planned. Everybody thinks that they, you know, you figure out what your plan is. You kind of know what it's going to be like or look like in your head. It doesn't work out that way. So you kind of have to modify things. And um, we were lucky enough. We we did have to go through a surrogate, um, but we were lucky enough to have our child. And, you know, she's such a blessing and we're so fortunate. Um, we uh, We think, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's adoption one day down the road. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, one is it's just great. It's just it's the it's one of the you know, everybody says, oh, you know, once you get that child, you know, things are going to change your life. And the the beauty of it is not just it's the change you you have almost, you know, it's constant, obviously, but it's that consistent change that you realize, uh, well, I didn't think I would think this at two years old. I didn't think I would think that at three years old, you know, because it's just these new beginnings, you know, for a parent which is, which is really fun. You, you feel like, you know, you feel like you're grown up a little bit more every single day. Yeah. And each, and each year does present its own challenges and growing. I have two teenagers in high school right now, so it's a whole wow. new experience for me. So that's right. That's right. I definitely hear what you're saying. Yeah, I've, had, I've had several other dads on the podcast that went through the surrogacy process. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you? Uh, what did you know about it heading in there? Or did you do your research? Was it what you expected? What was it like for you? Yeah, the surrogacy program, you know, living in Los Angeles was was a little tricky to navigate through because we wanted, you know, I don't know. I don't know if authenticity is the word, but we wanted it to, you know, we wanted it as close as we could uh, within our world. And so, and what I mean by that, it, you know, like I said, we, I thought we'd have six kids by now, you know, <laughs> maybe my wife would think different, but, um, you know, we really wanted kids. I, I love being around kids. I wanted to be a teacher when I was growing up. And, and so, um, the surrogacy thing was something that we really researched as much as we could, you know, trying to figure out what the best, um, you know, who the person that fit with us, the, the, the best, as far as not just the surrogate, but the surrogacy, the company, um, and, uh, you know, asking around other people who had done it before, 
why they did it, what their out, what their you know outcome was, and and it took a minute, you know, and then you you take the whole you know making sure the embryo, the egg. I mean, there's like there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of variables that go within that just to make sure you like you know things work at the end of the day, things will work, and fortunately for modern science and you know, technology, we were able to make it happen. And and we got our, you know, our wonderful daughter. And so it was a lot to research. And it was a lot to go down. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion on both sides. Um, uh, from my wife, my wife is uh, such a trooper, she has been through a lot and, uh, you know, trying to have a baby. And, and then when we did, man, it was the best thing in the world It made it all more worth the while. Yeah, well said, Carter. And one thing about having children is it really accelerates your relationship. Like mm-hmm. I said, I'm married 17 years now. What was what mm-hmm. was the experience like for you watching your wife take on the role of motherhood and become a mom? Well, that's really special too. You know, seeing that uh, that motherly quality that my wife Amy has, and 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 seeing how she really has that quality, not just take care of our daughter, but me too. And, and, you know, it's, it's really funny. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, she's like, you know, she's making food for all of us right now. This is like such a, I remember this when I was a little kid and my mom used to do this. And now it seems like, Oh, I'm the adult what's happening. Um, and, but it's also really sweet to see those, you know, those moments are real. Like there's nothing like, you know, a child and a mother relationship that is so special. There's such a quality bond there. That's, you know, instant. And uh, as much as I love to be the dad who, you know, goes outside and sees my daughter how to ride a bike, swim in the lake, you know, jump in a pool, whatever that is, there's still that relationship that exists on such a, such a, um, you know, such a crazy level. It's just, it's fun to see. Yeah, very well said. And I know, you know, Christmas time is here. We know that when we see the great Christmas light fight showing up. Uh, what what kind of Christmas do you have any traditions that you guys have, you know, passed on here or that you've started uh, with yeah. your daughter? And did you do the Elf on the Shelf the whole bit? What is it like oh, for you guys? Elf on the Shelf, um, Bubblegum. Uh, last year it was Birdie. Uh, <laughs> this year it's Bubblegum. And, uh, and uh, you know, my wife and I, we travel a lot for work. And right now we're uh, we're based out of Atlanta, but we always go back to most of the time we go back to Michigan where there's snow. It uh, feels like a white Christmas, which is great. Um, we usually go, we cut the tree down that whole shebang. You know, it's like everything is, you know, everything happens during the season, but depends on when we get to go back because of work. So sometimes we're like, you know, we have a little time to prep. Uh, and then now that our daughter's in school, she's got like Christmas plays, stuff like that. So it gives us less time to plan. But when we go back, we put up lights. Look, working on the great Christmas light fight, you're never going to put up as many lights as these people do. So I don't even <laughs> want to compete because my neighbors automatically think that, oh, he's probably going to be really good. And then if I'm not, they're going to, you know, they're going to judge me. So I just don't don't do that much. Yeah, you got It's a tall order to live up to some of the, what I've seen on the show. Without it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, without I, a doubt. And then, and then bringing it back into you as a dad here, what would you consider to be the top values that you hope to instill in your daughter growing up? Well, I mean, look, everybody wants to, you know, instill values into your children, into their children. And I think, you know, me included, and it's just being, you know, it's being, it's being fair, honest, and, you know, all those qualities. Like today, she was just like, you know, she was today, she was, she was really good. She's sharing uh, some little candies she had with me. And, and so, uh, it, it was so sweet because she was just saying, oh, you know, and I'm trying to go through this elaborate reason why sharing is great. And she goes, sharing's caring, dad. You know, sharing's caring. And that, that's a simple, it's just, you know, when you hear kids say things and they understand why, okay, you're like, you get it. You know, for me growing up, my parents were really big 
in, you know, my dad had the, the really the tough work ethic and my mom was like the nurturer. And I felt like that combination, you know, for me, I personally, I thought it was a great upbringing. I really appreciate that. And so, you know, my wife and I were trying to, trying to balance that as well, um, you know, to have that love, but that discipline too. Yeah. And you mentioned discipline there. Like I said, I have four kids. My, my only girl is my youngest. She's seven years mm. old now. And so right. my discipline with her definitely needs a little brushing up. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still a work in progress, but I know she's young yet, but what type of yeah. disciplinarian are you so far as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Oh gosh, the disciplinary that I grew up with is completely different. You know, <laughs> I feel like I'm a softie compared to my dad. You know, my dad was very much like, don't sit in front of the TV. You got to go work. You should be moving around, doing stuff outside, you know, go outside. He's the old farmer. So that's, that was the style, but that's also very good motivating. I still, you know, my age, I still get motivated even when my dad is not around because I feel like I should be doing something, but um, the discipline with a four-year-old, you know, I think, look, the love and the nurture goes a long way with an only child. It's also a little slippery slope too, because you don't know, you don't want to give too much you know, you'd, you'd like an only child, you know, you talk to some, you're like, oh, you're an only child. Whoa. You know, you're, you may be, yeah, I can, I could see you're an only child, but then some other only children, you're like, oh, well, you kind of seem like you turned out great, but that's with everybody. Right. So I feel like you don't want to give the, you know, the only child uh, too much attention. Um, but at the same time, you know, a discipline uh, as well, you know, when, when they do something wrong, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, you're, you're, you're letting them know that they did something wrong and, and maybe that timeout happens. But at the same time, you know, a lot of love goes into that as well. Yeah, well said, Carter. And I, I love the fact that your background is in carpentry and then you were able to turn that into a, into a huge success. Uh, I think the trades are definitely something people overlook a lot of times. <clears throat> I'm a mechanic. Uh, I've been a mm -hmm. railroad mechanic for over 20 years. And it, yeah. it's something that, um, you know, that I will try to instill in my kids is right. getting those. You know, I have a brother that was a plumber for 30 years. It's like we come mm -hmm. from that uh, yeah. type of philosophy of get, getting in there, getting your hands dirty. You can make a good living out of it. It seems like today yeah. everyone kind of overlooks that a little bit. But those trades now, what was the experience like for you going from starting as carpentry as a kid to now working on million dollar homes and making this big yeah. career that you've done out of it? What yeah. has that been like for you? Um, well, it's been good. You know, it, I feel like the work ethic is, has not faltered even, you know, as I get older, I, 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 you know, when I first started, I was, I, I, you know, look, I was constantly working, meaning when I was started on shows, working more than I should be performing on TV. And I don't even know how I got hired, but I was pretty shy when I first started. And, and, and I, but I knew I had to get that job done. I knew I had to make sure that that table was built or this room was finished. And so for that, um, you know, I really, I, I, I really enjoy that, that upbringing that I have. And, you know, so I, I feel as, as things have transpired, because, you know, I, I'm still capable of like taking care of our house. I mean, we're still, you know, we're restoring an old barn that's 120 years old on our property right now. And I'm doing it with the help of some friends. So like that, that stuff's never going to go away. And having those traits and those qualities like you, you know, I feel like in, in your family, I mean, it's just like my family. So I know if I need some help, I'll go ask one of my cousins who's an electrician. I'll be like, Hey, come on over. Cause I, I need a little help trying to figure this out. And that's, there's such a beauty in that. Cause you kind of know you can pretty much get whatever you want to get done completed. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's like this for you, but I know being a mechanic right now, the, the, the window ain't working right on the van. So my wife's like, what kind of mechanic are you? Let's get this window uh, fixed up. You know, it's like, right. always seems something going out my own. Does that happen with you? And you're like, 
hey, you're a carpenter, we need a little help yeah. over here. Like, yeah. I'm sure, I mean, that happens, it seems to happen to all, like my brother, the plumber, right. he's got a leaky sink all the time. You know, it's like, what's going on? Yeah, well, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's <laughs> like your home is the last to get finished, right? And right. um, and so when I, it's a funny story, like when I, uh, I bought this old farmhouse up in Michigan, Northern Michigan, uh, when I was 29. And what I loved about it, it was not even there full time because I was traveling around for shows and stuff. And but what I loved about it is that I could take apart a, a guest bathroom and not finish it. You know, I would take it apart and say, oh, I saw this new like whatever sink or, you know, maybe some cabinetry and I want to put this in, but I got to go get it a month or two or three or four or five would go by and I wouldn't finish that that, that bathroom. Anyway, fast forward, I get married to my wife a couple years after and she comes in the house and she's like, first thing we're doing is getting these rooms done. This is ridiculous. And I'm like, no, but I wanted to do this, you know? So, um, you know, that kind of changed a little bit, but yeah, that still happens all the time where I, I feel like everybody expects that I should have everything dialed in. And that is not the case. And I don't think that's the case with most, just like you. Yeah, hundred percent. And then like you mentioned there before, your neighbors would expect you to have the biggest Christmas uh, mm -hmm. lights on your house because of yeah. Uh, the great Christmas light fight. What, what, bring it back to that show real quick. Are you amazed by how it changes from season to season? Like, do you think like, wow, no one's mm -hmm. going to be able to top this. And then all of a sudden yeah. they go another level. Cause there's some in my neighborhood here. I mean, yeah. the cars fill up down the block to see somebody's home. Totally. It's amazing. Yeah. The talent it's, that people put into this. Right. And some people think that it's all about the number of lights, which it is because the normal average home probably has whatever that, that is on the show has maybe a hundred, 200,000 lights on it. That does not mean that's what you have to have to get on the show by <laughs> by any stretch of the means. Um, the most we've ever seen on one place is 7 million lights, which is just bananas. But that is not, uh, I feel like during COVID, tell you the truth, last year when we were shooting, um, I just felt like people, you know, look, the reason people put lights up is because they do it for their neighbors, their family, their community. And they want to give back to their community, right? So other people maybe they see this on TV and they, they wish they could see it at Disney world, something, whatever, you know, these people create these spaces in their communities and they do it for their neighbors. So cars do back up and, and everybody gets a chance to turn on that dial, that radio maybe and see them and sing the songs. And, and that's a, it's a really beautiful thing. Well, during COVID when that happened, we were all, you know, everybody's locked away. And, and when it, you know, especially when it first started, right. So people are not like running around and they, but they still could get in the car and go see their neighbors display. And more and more people were doing it uh, that started doing it because they had more time at home. And um, and you, I, I felt being a judge on the show last year, especially and this year too, that we that it just felt more the personal relationship and connection was there with a lot of these homeowners, and it felt so good because there was like this rejuvenation of why are we here? Where is humanity? Oh, it's right here. Oh, this is this is awesome. How did I get so lucky to be on this show? Right. Yeah. You don't have to look any further than your own backyard sometimes. Right. Yeah. And I, I know you mentioned before that you, your wife constantly traveling work and stuff like that. One of the silver linings, Carter, from the pandemic that I've heard a lot from the dads is the fact that they've been able to stay put and they mm -hmm. haven't had to do the traveling and they've been able to spend some more yeah. time. And, and by doing so, they say, wow, I realized what I'm missing out on here. What mm -hmm. was your experience, uh, especially having a young daughter during the COVID uh, you know, pandemic at the height of mm -hmm. it? What was it like for you and your family? So for us, you know, during the height of it, you're right, sitting home, being able to be home uh, with the family was something that was so special because like my wife and I do, we travel for our work, we travel all the time. But at the height of it, especially when it first started, it was just like, you know, everybody's on lockdown, nobody knew what to do. And I was like, you know what, this is, 
in, uh, on our radar, I hope uh, that this is just going to be a blimp on the radar and we are going to move on at some point. And, um, and let's just enjoy this time. And we did, we took those ones, like everybody, we got annoyed with each other and stuff like that, <laughs> but, uh, but it was cool. It was cool to like, really see those progressions, especially within, you know, with, with your child and the family, the family dynamic to really seeing how that, you know, some people got sick of each other, right? Some people were like, oh, this is not going to work at all. I got to go back to work. And some people it worked and it was made it even stronger. And that's really cool you know, to hear those stories because it definitely did with us. Yeah. Sometimes those board games can get a little out of control after uh, day <laughs> right. five of the lockdown. That's like, right. You know? yeah, so, that's right. Well, we're, ju- we're just about to turn the corner here to the new season, to the new year, 2022. Mm-hmm. What kind of goals or what kind of plans you have for the new year and beyond? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I was telling somebody this the other day. It's like the goals personally are, especially being a dad, are you realize when I was young, my dad was always like set goals, set goals, set goals, you know, and I didn't even know what that meant, you know, and it was like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I feel like doing that with your child is really fun for me now, setting those goals to see my daughter, you know, being able to jump in the lake, being able to swim across the pool, being able to, um, you know, uh, ride a bike, ride a motorcycle, you know, <laughs> like I want my daughter to be able to ride a motorcycle and she's, you know, so seeing those goals, which by the way, some people think I'm crazy for that, but like seeing those goals are, uh, through her eyes is really fun to do. But for me, it's, um, you know, it's, it's more building, more building projects. Like I said, we have a couple building shows that we're going to start working on in the new year. And that for me is like, that's what I love to do. And I love to also not get my whole family involved because my wife doesn't love building, but my daughter, she's, she's starting to, which is, which is really cool. Very cool. You got her a little uh, play set tool belt there in the whole bit or what? I mean, she's got the real thing. She's got the real hammer. <laughs> she's got, she, she had the play set and then she kind of graduated. So whenever dad's doing a project, she is, uh, she's right there with me, which is funny. Cause that's how I started. I started when I was 10 years old, I started cleaning up around the job sites. Um, now she's, you know, for the summer, she was always helping me clean up and, you know, take care of stuff. She's not making any miter cuts just yet. So it's probably good, but you know, soon. Yeah. And before I hit you with the last question, you brought up a good point there. It's like, it's me too. Like I went through that uh, apprenticeship portion of learning the trade before uh, moving on up and doing the bigger jobs. And and that's the way it is with the trades. And it seems like today Mm -hmm. that instant gratification, people want to just skip that part and go Mm -hmm. right to the bigger money and get paid what other people are getting paid that have been doing it for 30 years. And it doesn't work that way. You know, you see that a lot, you know, even in like the NFL, you used to be able to develop a quarterback for five years. Now, if he don't, he doesn't want to hit a home run on the first day, he's out, you know, that's totally true. It's totally true. It's like, you know, the, there's something very sweet, uh, or I guess sincere and it builds the backbone of whatever you're doing. You know, the amount of walls that I had to demo for, you know, three years, three summers that I had to endure with my buddies, just going in, you know, can big industrial places and knocking walls down because and picking up block, you know, that's what we had to do. But you know what, that, that earned a lot of like, you know, street cred with the guys that I was working with that I still work with today. You know, and and they knew that okay, this guy's gonna probably stick with it. He's he, he's enjoy he's not maybe not enjoying this, but at least sticking with it. You know, and and that was uh, that's something that you're right. A lot of kids want to just skip to the the good part and uh, and make the money, and that's that it doesn't doesn't really work that way. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like the best <clears throat> way to learn how to do something right is to do it wrong a lot of times. You know what I mean? Right. It really helps right. in, in that yeah. development. So absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, last thing I want to hit you with here, Carter, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? 
Um, well, I mean, the, the obvious one is like, you know, people always told me, oh, you know, when you say your kid does something, uh, oh, you know, they're doing their, they, they go to bed so easily or they sleep throughout the night and always add right now at the end of any sentence, because it's true. It's like every one to four, it's like people would say, just add right now after every sentence you make about your kid, because that's going to change. Those things change, even if they're the best or the worst, those things will change as, uh, as that child progresses. Yeah. Very well said. Love the message. It's been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Carter Oosterhouse, your first class father all the way. And thank you so much ah, for giving me a few minutes of your time here you. at first class fatherhood. Thank you. I appreciate it. Super fun. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Carter Oosterhouse for giving me a few minutes of his time. He was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And that's it. That is going to wrap up the 2021 podcasting season here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to say once again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support, your encouragement, your emails, your DMs. It really goes such a long way to help me out, keep me motivated, and keep me inspired here. Uh, This mission of the podcast to really change the narrative on fatherhood and family life is very important to me. I got to say thank you to all the dads out there who have joined me on the podcast this year. I'm really blessed to have been joined by so many amazing dads. Uh, I think the message is so important. And you're going to see me back here better than ever in 2022. It is going to be a huge year for the podcast. The book drops in April. You're going to hear all about that as we turn the dial here, turn the calendar to the new year. So everybody out there, all you dads, moms, family members out there who listen to this podcast, thank you. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I will be back with you in 2022. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's I saw feeling